Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Friday, December 18th. We are one week from Christmas, and on the podcast today is a very special guest, and that would be Carolyn Pilch, the general manager of the Boston Pride. Very excited to have had the opportunity to chat with her about all things Pride, how she got into hockey, a look ahead at the bubble coming up in Lake Placid for the NWHL, and uh, just a great conversation that I'm very excited to share with you. Before we get to that, let me remind you that the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe. Each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download listen and enjoy. If you could also toss up a rating and a review, that would be so very much appreciated. If you're on Twitter, you can find the podcast at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find the show on Instagram at Locked on Boston Bruins. You can find me, your host on both platforms at Ian C. McLaren. Now, as I mentioned, chat Coming up here with Carolyn Pilch, GM of the Boston Pride. We'll also get to some news and notes from around the hockey world afterwards. But without further ado, let's jump right in. Here's my chat with Carolyn Pilch, the general manager of the Boston Pride. All right. I am very excited to be joined on the podcast today by Carolyn Pilch, who is the general manager of the Boston Pride of the uh, NWHL. Thank you so much for uh, for taking some time to chat today, Carolyn. How are you doing? Hey, Ian, my pleasure. I'm I'm doing great. Thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. It's um it's actually the last day of school before Christmas break, so we sent our three boys off to school, and um, not quite sure <laughs> when they're going to be going back. To be honest, because there might be some uh, extended delays due to COVID and uh, so there's a bit of uncertainty in the air up here but just trying to take it one day at a time as I'm sure everybody has been uh, through 2020. Oh I gotcha we got uh, like 16 inches of snow over here the other day and or yesterday and you know the the schools are some of them had snow days but then uh, like some were remote and I'm like oh my goodness you can't take away snow days on top of everything else I'm like let these kiddos have some snow days too yeah, so sure. I don't know we'll, but we'll see we're all you know like I always say I'm like we're all in the same boat I don't know where this boat is going but we're all in it together <laughs> totally yeah yeah it's crazy times um, when people come on the podcast, I usually love to start with, uh, kind of getting to know your hockey origin story and kind of how you got involved in the game. Um, so yeah, can you, uh, can you explain that a little bit? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, just grew up playing hockey, you know, first, first learned how to skate on the, on the pond at my house. So that's, you know, kind of a fun way to end up in the, in the mix there. And, you know, grew up playing boys hockey. There wasn't, there weren't many girls. I think I crossed over with maybe one or two, um, throughout most of my youth career. And then, um, as I got closer to high school, I, and I did end up playing on, you know, a couple girls travel teams and played through my boys high school. So, um, you know, just kind of came up through the ranks that way. And then actually ended up over at Boston university and played on their inaugural team, which was an awesome experience. Um, you know, the, the culture of BU hockey and being able to be on that first team was, you know, something I'll never forget, obviously. And, and was a pretty special experience, but yeah, so played over there. Um, and then when I graduated, I had a degree in finance, but I, you know, wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do. And, you know, like anyone else, it's, you know, been an athlete for so long, you, you try to figure out what what's going to fill the void in that next step and ended up um, in coaching. So spent the next seven years, which is wild that it, it actually went by super, super quick, but um, coached at a, a small school up here in New Hampshire called St. Anselm College, uh, actually with my assistant from BU. So she left and became the head coach up there. And then when I graduated, I, I became her assistant. So that was, you know, an awesome job. I learned a ton, you know, a little bit more. I, I was a goaltender, so I can't always say that I was, you know, paying attention to too many of those X's and O's in practice, but, um, you know, got, went up there and, and learned a ton from her, learned a lot of, you know, the behind the scenes coaching things and the recruiting process and all of that, which, you know, is, is so important to what I'm doing today. But, you know, that's really what, what kicked off my coach coaching and, you know, management career. And then, um, BU actually opened up their hockey ops job. Um, and that's how I ended up back over there. So went from St. A's back to Boston university. My head coach was still there. Um, Brian DeRocher, absolutely unbelievable, um, person and just someone I'd be so willing to work for someone I knew I could, you know, learn a ton from as well. Um, so went back there, what was the director of hockey ops for three seasons, um, got my MBA while I was doing that. And then right when I basically, right when I finished school, um, this position with the NWHL opened up and it was, you know, kind of a, a perfect next stepping stone for straddling that line between, you know, hockey and, and business and management and, you know, obviously moving on from the college environment to the professional. It was an awesome fit and was super excited about it. Yeah, that's amazing. And really quite a, yeah, quite a story moving up the ranks for sure. Um, did you grow up watching a lot of hockey as well? A lot of or NHL, women's hockey, who, who are kind of your uh, favorite uh, teams or players to watch? I know you mentioned you, you're a goaltender. Was there a, a goalie that, that stood out as kind of someone that you uh, were inspired by or modeled your game after? Well, so I, it's actually funny, but I live very close to Merrimack college. And for whatever reason, as a kid, like we, my, my earliest, like going to hockey game memories between the low lock monsters who used to be the, um, the AHL team for the, I want to say it was the LA Kings, um, at the time between them and Merrimack college, those were the games I went to. And for whatever reason, it was always like Merrimack and BU Merrimack and BU. And even though we went to Merrimack all the time, it was like, no, like BU's my team. So just kind of funny that, you know, that how that worked out and, and I ended up there and, 
Um, but yeah, so it definitely grew up going to Merrimack College and, and watching their games and obviously them being in Hockey East. And then, you know, UNH had a women's team for so long. And I actually had a female coach when I was very young and she took me to my first women's game, which was awesome. Okay. Um, it was just, you know, so cool to see women play hockey. And like I said, I was the only girl for so long that I, and I was just amazed at the fact that there was this entire team full of, um, of women. So yeah, so those two for sure. And then um, yeah, I just, you know, any, anytime there was a game, you could, you could definitely drag me into the rank. That's for sure. Let's talk for a moment about built go built. Go is an exciting new product from the makers of built bar, and it helps you break through the mental or physical wall that we all hit at some point throughout the day comes in easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase or your golf bag. And it's quite simply the best workout gel on the market. It's like a five-hour energy boost without the same crash feeling that comes with leading alternatives. Plus, it's natural and better for your body. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. And it also features a collagen protein that's fast-absorbing, so it gets into your system and easy on your stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite your work, whether it's your work day or your workout, beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. The collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, so it literally makes you feel as well as look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Yeah, as you mentioned, I guess at the beginning of last season, uh, you were named GM of the Boston Pride and uh, taken over a pretty talented team. What was the experience like kind of stepping into uh, that that position and, and um, kind of helping to build uh, a team that was, you know, wildly successful last season with um, – you know, first place only lost one game. Unfortunately, the championship game was was called off due to COVID. Uh, but you know, far and away, uh, the best team in the league. What was that experience like uh, pre-COVID? And kind of, yeah, what was what was the feelings that uh, you experienced when uh, it was decided that there wouldn't be a championship game to to kind of cap it off? Yeah, I mean, the the season in a nutshell, I'll be honest, was one of the best, if not by far and away, the best, you know, season of hockey I've ever been involved with, you know, between my playing career, between coaching, like it was unbelievable. And it was because of the people we had in the room. Um, And I know, you know, it's something that I, I talk about a lot and, you know, praise these players, but they just everyone bought in and I'm I feel very lucky that I feel like that culture is now the culture of the Boston Pride and it is very much what we're you know what we're working with now not not to jump ahead but um you know it, it's so important and I think you know a, that's a testament to Paul as well and what he's been able to do with this team and, and really coach these players and how much they respect him but you know we brought the the right people the right people to the party I guess is um an easy way to put it and and I'm still thankful for that. And, you know, you can accomplish so much more when you just have the right minds and people that want to be here, people that want to grow the game, you know, people that want to be there for their teammates. Like we don't, there's no, 
individuals here that are just, you know, in it for themselves. And I, and I think that's so, so pivotal to success and it made the hockey part that much easier. Um, so, you know, to, to back up a little bit, when I first got on board the, I would say about half the team was signed, um, before I started and we held a training camp and added a couple players from there. And then, you know, just kind of pounded the pavement a little bit and, and did some digging and, you know, who was around, who, you know, who's still interested in playing, who do we know that's training? Like who just came back from overseas? Like what, you know, what do our options look like? So, you know, we pieced together the the rest of that team and, and I think it just, it came together very, very well. And, and again, Paul and I were able to kind of rely on each other's contacts and, and make some of those things happen. So that was, you know, that was an exciting, quick, quick start. I think, geez, I think I started the job in August and then obviously we're, we're playing at the beginning of October. So pretty quick turnaround. Um, but you know, it was great. It was just, I, that's my style. I like that rapid fire, just, you know, thrown into things and get it done and find a way. So, and I, I think that's very much what our team is like. Um, and then obviously like the, the season, I, I can't say enough good things about just so impressed with our compete, like on and off the ice. And, you know, the, the these players were just, they were a, a pleasure to be around all the time and they just wanted to win. And they had this mentality of, you know, that nobody wanted to lose any games. And even when we did, we dropped that one game in Minnesota like the way you know you would have thought that there would be some like devastation or you know like people are you know super hanging their heads super high over that it was honestly it was like all right we we didn't want this to happen it did but we need to move on and we came out even better the next day so um I think that moment in our season also you know said a lot and then of course our first playoff game at home and sold out warrior like the environment was unbelievable like I couldn't have been more proud of this team and obviously like there's no other word beside disappointment that you know we didn't get to play that final game um and you know that that's going to be tough and and people are going to remember that but hopefully there are enough other you know wonderful and amazing moments that make you know that season so successful even though it didn't necessarily end like we had hoped right before we get to kind of plans for the upcoming season uh you mentioned Paul, a head coach, Paul Mara, who, who played for a time with, uh, with the Bruins and who was also, I believe, an assistant coach for the uh, 2018 uh, U.S. women's national team that won uh, gold in uh, Pyeongchang. Um, what kind of makes him such, um, such an effective head coach and um yeah, just describe kind of how he helps the players um, excel in the game uh, at the moment. I think, I mean, I think he's a true professional and I think that goes a long way with the players. You know, he's, he understands, um, you know, what their potential is and how much, you know, he, you know, they can bring to the table and, and how successful this group and this, you know, pool of talented players can be. And I think that goes a long way with the players. Um, I just think there is an element of respect on both sides. You know, I feel like sometimes coaches have the style of like, I'm, you know, I'm the coach, you do these X, X, Y, and Z things. And, and that's it. And we, you know, we live in this very small box and that's not Paul at all. And it's, it's a very unique style. And I feel like he gives the players a lot of freedom, but will 
consistently remind them, Hey, like we don't need to give up the puck there. Like we're talented. Like we're, you know, we're not doing X, Y, and Z because we don't need to like have, have more confidence in yourself and, you know, make these plays happen. And obviously his experience speaks for itself. And like you said, is between where, you know, he's played in the past and and coaching in the Olympics and has had success across the board there. I, again, I think that that just helps build that fundamental um, respect that then goes a long way. So again, in, in uniting the group, I, I think, sometimes I think people take that for granted and that's definitely something he's played a strong hand in and making sure that you know we're together off the ice and that's so much more important and when you step on the ice it makes things that much easier mm-hmm. and then of course there's a uh, team captain leading scorer Jillian Dempsey who's been with the team uh, basically since the beginning a uh, really remarkable uh, season that she had here in, in 2019-20, kind of leading the league in scoring. Uh, what sets her apart as well, not only on the ice, but but off the ice? Yeah, so I, I mean, there isn't anyone that bleeds the Boston Pride more than Jillian Dempsey. Um, you know, she just through and through this is you know so big such a big part of her life and who she is and we're you know super thankful for that um and you know we we can sit here and and run through her accolades and everything that she did and how talented she is and and all of those are obviously pivotal to our success but it's you know her leadership and how much she believes in this and I mean it it just everything trickles down from the top right so we just talked about Paul and then obviously Jill is the next step in that leadership to our team and I I mean I'll give you an example we had we started this season with optional practices there wasn't a single practice that we were missing a person Um, and I think that just comes from that passion and drive that Jill has and obviously she has you know some some good other veteran leaders with her as well but just putting that culture out there and and making sure people a want to be here and b want to work hard um it you know that's that's Jill to a T and and again like we we are definitely not as successful as we are without her great I thought it was really cool too that in uh I think it was back in September that the um pride banners were hung I believe at the airport alongside banners with the, the Bruins, the Celtics, the Patriots, just celebrating the, uh, the championship in 2016, as well as the first place finish last season. Uh, what did that mean to have the team recognized alongside the other pro teams in, in the area? Yeah, that was awesome. And, and a project we had worked on um, for a long time and Haley Moore, our team president, really put in a lot of effort there. So um, kudos to her as well. But yeah, it, you know, just to be recognized, like, you know, rightfully so, but um, with the other professional sports in Boston and, you know, Boston is such a, a sports city and so fan centric and all of that is so, so important to us. And, you know, we have the greatest fans in the world. I, I already talked about, you know, selling out our games at warrior. It's, you know, this, this winning culture of the entire city has been, um, you know, really a, a cool place to be. And I feel like that was just the culmination of it. Like, Hey, you know, you know, they recognize that we're also champions and our banners deserve to be up there. I wish people were flying through there more right now than they are um, yeah, to actually sure. see them. But uh, yeah, no, a hundred percent was very, very, you know, winning moment for us for sure. And like I said, you know, once people are up and traveling a little more, it'd be pretty cool to see people heading through that terminal. Yeah, definitely. Now, kind of the NHL is still trying to work out 
what next season might look like, but the NWHL has already announced that there's going to be a season that's going to take place in Lake Placid at, uh, you know, the, the famous Herb Brooks Arena uh, beginning late January into early February. Um, kind of some unfinished business maybe uh, on, on your end to take care of after the championship was, uh, was canceled. Um, how excited are you to see the team back on the ice and kind of um, what's the preparation mode looking like at the moment uh, with that just, I guess, just about a month away now? Yeah, I mean, excitement. I feel like I I don't even know how to put enough justice behind that. Um, our our team is awesome, and like they're they're so talented. And you know, I've now seen them on the ice for months at this point. Um, you know, they've been training. They we've been having you know three on three style tournaments and doing everything we can together. And it's you know ultimately like we need them on the ice against another team. And obviously that time is coming. Um, I feel like getting around over the holidays here between Christmas and New Year. Years, I feel like then it's going to be like, all right, the bubbles and we here before we know it. So um, that's all, you know, very, very exciting. And the just to, to see them be able to actually compete is going to be, you know, the culmination of all the work that we've been doing so far. But um, yeah, I know to go to Lake Placid, to play in a historic place like that, to, you know, to have our bubble. We, I, I spoke to Mike Ruzioni the other day um, on our podcast and he, you know, he just talked about like, he called actually I think he called like Placid Pleasantville he's like you go up there and it's like you know you take a step back in time and so many p- people actually have like youth hockey memories there too and you know we're we're going up there to pro- to hopefully create some of our own memories um and and win a cup was which is obviously our ultimate goal but um you know and again that that setting and, and making sure we're, we're able to take care of business up there will be it we're just ready to go it's it's it, it needs to be here tomorrow would be great. <laughs> I guess I should mention that there obviously will be a new team in the mix in the bubble, the, the Toronto six uh, expansion team. Um, how does that kind of change preparation in terms of, you know, not having actually seen this team on the ice before? Does that, does that change anything in terms of um, just the preparation or kind of, the mentality heading into the tournament, kind of uh, an unknown wild card in there in the mix. Well, I was wondering if you were going to bring them up or if you were just going to let this go and try to pretend like there wasn't, you know, some allegiance sworn before, after, I guess I agreed to, you know, to join you here today, but um, I'll let you dive into that. I'll, I'll leave it up to you if you choose, but I will politely answer your question. Um, No, we, you know, so much of this game is, is focusing on ourselves. And I think that's something that has been, you know, the mentality of our team. So of course, you know, they, they're going to come in here. They're going to be talented. They've got some great players. Um, some players I know from BU, like, uh, you, you know, it'll be just another team that we're going to have to take care of business against. But, um, I would say, you know, 98% of what we do is, is focused on our team and, you know, how, how we can be successful and, and, you know, what, what our game plan looks like and a, a very small piece of, okay, this, you know, this might be what you can expect here. This is a little bit of what we might, you know, what we see from, from their D from their goalie. This is how, you know, they may send two, four checkers, just little things like that, but n- nothing too, you know, too intense where we feel like we need to control our game first. And that's our primary focus. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, I grew up in Ontario. I was born in Toronto. I have never in my life cheered for a, a, a Toronto hockey team. So this was potentially an opportunity to, to slide that in. But, you know, my hockey allegiance is very much uh, Boston, Boston centered. So I uh, don't think too much to worry about there. Speaking of Toronto, um, you know, you guys acquired the first overall pick in the draft from Toronto. Kind of what was that process like and how did that all um, develop? And if, for people who don't remember, who, who did you use that pick to select in, in the draft? Yeah, that was a wild couple of days. Um, you know, it, the <laughs> Toronto, I think, and now the expansion announcement and the draft like process and all that was announced, like I want to say a week or so before the draft itself. And, you know, when we found out they were going to have, so we knew we wanted the first pick. We were, we, that, that was, you know, something that we were like, okay, like we need to figure out a way to make this happen. And then, um, you know, when it came out that there's going to be an expansion and they were going to have the first overall pick, like then it was like, all right, now there's a brand new team. We need this pick. How do we get this done? Um, and obviously we, you know, we traded up for Sammy Davis, who, you know, if you asked me if I would do the same thing again, I would say yes a million times over. Um, so, you know, we were able to get Sammy. Sammy was an excellent player coming out of Boston University, grew up in Boston. You know, we didn't, we, there was no chance we were taking to let anyone else draft her. Um, and that was really important to us. And, you know, I think the rest, of, I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a better draft class and the way things worked out there as well and I think you know Sammy was the was a good tipping point and a good start for that so um you know I just it was something that needed to be done and it, it was interesting that it was like okay you know this this team's been in the league for three minutes and we're already trying to take their draft pick so um but yeah no it, it, it was good that that will be a fun memory for sure of of um you know a little bit of trading and picks and whatnot yeah. first first experience with that so well, before I let you go, and again, I, I'm very grateful that you've taken some time to chat today. I always like to ask people kind of how they've been keeping busy. I'm sure you've been watching a ton of uh, hockey and trying to get ready for, for the bubble tournament, but um, has there been anything else this year that has uh, caught your attention, whether it's a, a Netflix show or, or a good book or something that, that you could recommend? Oh, good question. Um, I feel like I, over the summer, I just spent as many minutes outside as I could. Um, obviously, you know, living in New England, you know, winter is really around the corner, like for, from the time that summer starts. So um, definitely spent a lot of time outside, you know, New Hampshire has some great lakes. So kind of bombed around a little bit, spent, you know, a week down at the Cape. So I feel like I, I really tried to utilize um, outdoors as much as I can. I, I actually got into watching Letterkenny which I feel like maybe (laughs) maybe you like or you don't like I don't know but um yeah a couple friends had turned me on to that and I I just I find myself laughing out loud so yeah it's um, actually based on a a town that's not too far from me where my brother-in-law grew up actually Um, okay well that's where the the creator is from this town so it's kind of loosely based on on the town but yeah it's it's definitely uh 
definitely worth watching. It's it's pretty hilarious and some good hockey stuff in there too. For sure. yeah, that, I think that's it, right? Like, there's just enough hockey, but then there's so much of like between like knowing and and playing with Canadians for so long and some of I don't know some of the Ontario and Quebec rivalries and I don't know. I just I find it pretty funny. So it's great. It's good stuff. I think there's a new season coming out on on Christmas Day, I believe. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you again so much for taking some time and definitely excited to um, see the pride back on the ice uh, in, in January and, and all the best with the, uh, with the bubble season. And hopefully the team can kind of make good on that, uh, that championship run that uh, we missed out on this year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. It was great to meet you and chat here. Yeah, you as well. Have a great, uh, have a great rest of your day and happy holidays as well. Thanks. You too. Take care. All right. Take care. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar available. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, six of which are new. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, and lemon almond cheesecake. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate and is soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is not, however, just a delicious treat. It's a great for the health conscious person. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Right now, if you go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at builtbar.com. Now, before we get to news and notes from the NHL, I want to mention a new podcast here on the Locked On Network, which is Locked On Bets. We have a new sponsorship with uh, Bet Online, and you can go listen to that podcast for all the news and tips to help you uh, succeed in that area. Now, there's a lot of news and notes from around the NHL that we need to touch on. And we will begin with a bit of a bomb that was dropped on Thursday, suggesting that the seven Canadian teams could play all their games this season in the U.S. Therefore, kind of putting a huge wrench in the idea of a all-Canadian division and putting realignment back on the table. What will the divisions look like? Well, they could even be what they are now, just with teams playing in different arenas. Frank Saravelli of TSN reports the seven Canadian franchises have been trying to work out protocols with provincial health authorities, but those authorities have not signed off on them yet. The league's preference is for 31 teams to play their games in their own arenas, but if it's not possible, Canadian teams could play in one hub city or play all their games this season somewhere in the United States. Pierre Lebrun added... The information being revealed to the public could work to the NHL's advantage, pushing pressure on the provincial governments to allow for these games to be played up here in Canada. Now, Chris Johnston of Sportsnet added provincial authorities must be comfortable with the league's health protocols, which are still being negotiated with the NHLPA. The Toronto Blue Jays had to play this summer in Buffalo. The Toronto Raptors are currently playing in Tampa Bay. Uh, and so it seems as though the NHL teams may not be immune 
so to speak, from this kind of disruption in where they play. COVID up here in Canada, the numbers are very much trending in the wrong direction. Um, And so, yeah, still a lot to be determined with a targeted start date for the season of January 13th. It doesn't really look like that is going to happen at this point. Darren Drager just this morning tweeted that Edmonton could extend its role as a hub. And there have been discussions with the NHL over the past several weeks. Edmonton is ready. Of course, Edmonton will be hosting the World Junior Championship beginning one week from today. Uh, But Alberta also not a great spot right now. Elsewhere, I'm sure you all saw that Henrik Lundqvist won't be playing for the Capitals this season after signing a one-year deal with Washington. He released a statement on Thursday saying he's been sidelined by a heart condition for which he's receiving treatment. Uh, Myself, one of my sons, we've had some heart issues in the past as well, so certainly empathize with Henrik and um, you know, respect the fact that he's putting health and family above uh, trying to make a run with the Capitals. Blues winger Alex Steen hanging up his state skates. It's not stakes. He's not a vampire hunter. After being diagnosed with multiple levels of degenerative herniated discs of his lumbar spine, of course, Steen was a member of the... St. Louis Blues team that uh, won the Stanley Cup in Boston in 2019. We don't have to talk about that. Um, Something a little bit more relevant to the Bruins is the signing of Anthony Duclair to a one-year, $1.7 million contract with the Florida Panthers. 25-year-old winger became an UFA after the Senators declined to send him a qualifying offer. Panthers still have $6.0 million in cap space. And um, could be an affordable replacement for Mike Hoffman. Won't score with the same consistency. And, you know, Mike Hoffman still very much an unrestricted free agent. And uh, Dominic Tiano, who you may follow on Twitter. If you don't, you should. He put out an article this morning kind of laying out how the Bruins could still sign Hoffman kind of on the cheap, as well as Zdeno Chara. Uh, but I believe it's contingent on trading John Moore, and I believe Anders Bjork would be the idea to make some cap space there. Uh, Nick Ritchie might be a more ideal trade candidate, but um, you know, it's just kind of a a scenario that he put out there for it to possibly happen. And Fluto Shinzawa, I should mention, of the Athletic posted uh, some predictions for the Bruins this year, one of them being Jacobs Borrell becoming a regular in the Bruins lineup in a bit of a sheltered role, and also predicting Dan Vlader would be getting the call if either Halak or Rask go down at some point this season. Uh, Matt Grizzlick replacing Krug on the power play, and the fourth line improving through some internal competition with the addition of Greg McKaig, uh, Carson Kuhlman, Zach Sinitian, possibly vying for time as well. Uh, but those are some things that we will discuss more once uh, you know training camp starts and we have a look at 
what the line combinations are used. Keep in mind, of course, Pasternak, Marchand will be injured to begin the season so that um, the lineup will look a bit different than it will ideally in the postseason. Anyways, that's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Carolyn Pilch. We'll be back next week with a couple more episodes leading up to a Christmas break. On Monday, you can expect who are at best numbers 30 through 39, and then uh, hopefully a pre-holiday chat with uh, another friend of the pod. I hope you all have a great weekend. Stay safe and healthy. And um, I should mention I started watching Ted Lasso last night. If you need a bit of a boost, something positive in your life to watch, uh, this is it. Uh, Watch two episodes and very much enjoying it so far. Again, thanks so much for tuning in, friends. Please do uh, toss up a rating or review if you have some time. And we'll be back on Monday with a fresh episode of Locked On Boston Bruins.